You're listening to Framework, where we dig into the research, planning, and building that goes into bringing products to market. I'm Rob Hayes. And I'm Tom Creighton. And today we're talking about .health with its founder, Huda Idris. For those who don't know, .health is a simple and secure way to access all of your personal health data. Huda, how about a short intro to yourself and your history as a product creator? Yeah, thank you so much, Rob, Tom, for having me. A um, little bit about me. Uh, I'm an engineer by training, uh, and I stumbled into the world of design uh, when I realized how much fun it was. Uh, little did I know what I was getting myself into. Uh, now I've had an entire career dedicated almost exclusively to working at Toronto-based uh, technology startups. Um, and my latest is .health. So um, what we do is, is, is really straightforward. We make uh, it really easy for people to access all of their own personal health information. So typically all this data lives inside of large hospitals or clinic networks or pharmacy networks. Now you can actually request for it, access it, um, and uh, share it as needed with your care team. Let's dive into .health a bit. Why did you think that that product was needed in the first place? We had one client and we were making a product for a client. We didn't actually think it was a company at the time. It was just something I was doing to help someone who was going through a difficult situation. So our first client was going through late stage chemotherapy and was finding it really difficult to communicate what was going on with his health across multiple, multiple groups of people. So his care team, uh, and his family and other uh, care providers who were maybe not part of his uh, oncology team. So he was just finding it really hard, was carrying a binder around with him, um, and was overall just finding it difficult to understand where he uh, fit into the picture, how this treatment had affected others, etc. So we really made a product to help a single user and realized quickly after that that it actually impacted many more people. So you were able to abstract out from, from a single uh, user of, of this thing you were building into a, a much larger product. Why were you initially drawn to, to solving this problem in, in a product way? I think when you're a product designer or something that you've done for a long time, that could be like, you know, if you're, if you're a writer, you're constantly thinking about everything as a writing project. When you're a designer, you're constantly thinking about making things easier. When you're uh, in the world of product, and that's where, that's where I had been prior to founding .health, the one thing I was thinking of is how can I do this so that it's not so painful and so specific and so uh, tailor-made for one person, but instead can be productized in a way that can help multiple people who are going through a similar situation. Because at the end of the day, this is, this is the product out of all the things that I've ever worked on that has the most profound impact on the people using it. And you can't not want that to exist for multiple people. I think that was, that was a large part of this. Were, were you thinking about this as a product problem right out of the gates or did you kind of, did that come at the tail end of, you know, helping your friend with, with their personal situation? You kind of looked back on it and saw there might be a larger opportunity there. Yeah. I mean, initially, again, it wasn't, you know, I was at a, a different job at the time, at a different startup at the time of the founding of .health, really. Uh, so, you know, it was a bit of an accidental founding of a company. I didn't actually think it was going to be a company or a product or anything. Uh, I was just looking to help uh, someone through a, a very large life crisis. And I think, you know, if I can look back into the problems that I've always wanted to solve and how I've made decisions throughout my career, I've 
in one way or another, always been looking for something that would fundamentally uh, better the lives of people using it. That has been what's attracted me from the very beginning. And on some level, even going back to early days of Wattpad, I was looking for something that was in the realm of healthcare that impacted lots of people that was consumer specific because I didn't understand why when every other industry was so far ahead and was adopting technology, consumer technology specifically, why healthcare was so far behind. So that was definitely at the back of my mind, but not necessarily the, you know, the, the way that that health started wasn't uh, in any way sort of methodical. So uh, at what point when you were uh, sort of developing this for for this one person did you realize that you were actually solving a, a much larger problem or that there was a problem to be addressed uh with with the thing you were building yeah we talk about a couple of aha moments in our in our company and the first one came for me when uh when this friend of mine who was going through chemo you know one day sat me down and explained to me how when you know he used to before dot health he used to it wasn't called dot health then by the way it was just like a clunky little like app that I built for him <laughs> so we didn't even have a name for it legitimately um, you know he was like trying to explain how before we had given him this tool he would go in he would see his oncologist and they would like would put two pieces of paper in front of him and you know and within within like a two minute conversation where the doctor would look at a computer screen and this patient would look at these two pieces of paper that would be sort of their entire interaction and after he was given access to this app the big thing that started happening was he shared access to the view that we were giving him, which was really, really straightforward. It was basically uh, a historical uh, record of all the uh, health interactions he'd had. His doctor started like turning his computer screen around so that both patient and doctor were looking at the same thing. Hmm. And that shift in building a product that has a real life change in behavior within a setting that was otherwise very separate for patient and doctor was the big moment for us. We were like, wait a minute, we thought stuff like this existed already because I, I'm a newbie in healthcare. I don't know anything about you know health-specific software and definitely didn't at the time. And so... That was a big aha moment for us. And then, you know, naturally, like every person who's, you know, even a little bit curious, um, what I did immediately after was go and talk to every other person I knew who had very high interactions with the healthcare system to ask them if something like this could be useful for them. And I remember starting, like, actually, you know, going out and finding, uh, it was a group of 25 people. And I, I found them and I was like, oh, great. Like, you've had this concern. Let me try and help you in the same way that I helped this sample size of one. And, you know, the other, the other aha moment was when all of those people started referring other people who needed this. And we had to cap it off at 200 people from 25. So that was a, that was a big moment where we're like, wait a minute, people are not only willing to use it and, and trust a system with their personal health information, they're actually trying to talk about it to their friends. And we're literally like two days old. And that that was that was super cool to see. Yeah, it had to feel good seeing that kind of interest, or I guess kind of validate a, a massive and important problem there to to be solving. You, you you touched on you touched on some of the existing solutions there. There's like the binder full of papers. There's yeah. the stare at the computer screen and don't make eye contact with the patient. Like, <laughs> right. So it, it sounds like as much as it is you're you're creating a solution for the patient, it's also ultimately a a problem for the healthcare providers that, that you're solving here to, to kind of give them better tools to help the patient. 
Yeah, I think fundamentally, and you know, we've started it in one area, but this is really a broader system problem. So the thing that's missing and that's, you know, really stopping healthcare as an industry to move forward faster is that the infrastructure underlying the entire health ecosystem uh, is really broken. It's built on a series of old fax machines um, and uh, lots of paper files. That's what it's built on. And so when there's no infrastructure supporting a giant several trillion dollar global industry, it's very difficult for that system to innovate or to move forward or to empower the patient. But as we've seen in a lot of other industries, when you empower the person who is ultimately um, the one benefiting from a, from a lot of the system, that's when change really starts to happen. And we've seen this across the board. I mean, consumerization and disintermediation of a ton of industries have caused massive changes in our economy. It sounds like in a lot of ways you were coming up against a very uh, analog system and, and having to, I guess, initially grapple with that framework. That included, what, what other issues did you face to actually like get this off the ground? Are we going to talk about this for the rest of the episode? <laughs> oh, we've got time. Because <laughs> <laughs> I could do that. It's, um, I think, coming at it, it's a good thing I knew nothing about the healthcare system going into this, because if I did, I don't think I would have done it. So I think a certain level of uh, naivete was really important in this entire story. So healthcare, I think overall as an industry, sort of worldwide, but also in Canada, given the amount of government involvement, is really difficult to understand. There's very little visibility for anyone like me, who's a private sector um, industry person, going in and trying to both understand the system, then identify the problems, and then pose solutions for it. So I think we got lucky in that we stumbled into a problem where our customer was telling us exactly what they wanted. Mm -hmm. But then what we had to do was a super steep learning curve that I feel like we're still on, to be honest, a year in, which is understanding exactly how the healthcare system works. So everything from how doctors are in fact independent contractors allocated to hospitals, not really employees of the hospital, um, understanding how the provincial healthcare system interacts or doesn't interact sometimes with the federal health system. Understanding all of that is like peeling layers of an onion that we're still, you know, like still very far from the core of. So you know, there was obviously the analog system. There was all the politics around it. There was the like understanding and visibility into the, you know, never ending list of stakeholders in healthcare. And then understanding the role and the positioning of the payers in this model. So, you know, in the United States, which is a, a, a private healthcare market, the payers are obvious. The payers mm -hmm. are consumers either via their employers or their insurers or both or out of pocket. But in Canada, the payers are really either the provincial government or your insurance, you know, combined with your employer for certain things. So operating in a system that's not really a universal healthcare system, but that wants you to think that it is, is really difficult. It's a lot of dead ends. Um, and it's a lot of talking to a lot of people who, you know, you need to convince that they need to see you. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, sometimes we joke that it's more that it's more a like political endeavor than it is a technological one. And, and despite that, you, uh, you continue to move on with this. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun too. Don't get me wrong. You asked me yeah, no, no. <laughs> if there were concerns in this. There's so many things that are so much fun also. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, things have been uh, different than we expected. But mm-hmm. in a lot of other ways, things have been so much faster than I would have ever imagined. So the uptick from consumers, I legitimately thought we would still be like grappling with like how to get consumers to understand why they should, you know, at the moment, pay for the service. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what we've actually seen and what we saw from the very beginning of, of Dot Health and announcing it is that there are more people willing to pay us for this than we are able to accommodate even today with a much bigger team. Super, super surprising. So when you went out of the gates, you, you touched on you had like an initial prototype in your hands for uh, for your one friend. Mm-hmm. What did that consist of? How did you know, how did you kind of come to that as a, here's what we want to put in your hands to kind of help you through this situation? Yeah, the first version was super, super straightforward, like version like negative (laughs) 2.0. It was basically, so uh, this one um, client that we had, uh, he would be given like pieces of paper that he was carrying around in a binder. And so all uh, we did is essentially I took the piece of paper from him And then I started punching in all the numbers that were on it in sort of like a spreadsheet-like app. It wasn't actually a spreadsheet, uh, but I like made a like dumbed down version of it that I only gave him access to. And I just put in all the data that he was giving me, essentially just basic data entry. Mm -hmm. And then I gave him the ability to uh, annotate it. So in this specific case, uh, we were tracking this patient's cancer marker. Mm -hmm. So when you're going through chemo, in a six or or nine week uh, chemotherapy treatment, what you're calculating or what your oncology team is calculating is your cancer marker. So is it, you know, what, what, where is your cancer marker um, at the time, you know, on, on a certain week and what you're tracking is whether it's going down or not essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's, that's literally all we did. We, instead of, you know, his doctor giving him only two data points, we were able to give this person 10 data points. And so we were, you know, starting to broaden the context in which his cancer marker information made a lot more sense. And that was it. That's yeah. that's all we gave him. It's it's really interesting uh, to me that you were able to, you know, extrapolate out from a very uh, tailor-made one-person app into, um, you know, a, a broader platform that a lot of people were interested in. How did you validate that that solution idea i guess both with both with patients and and medical professionals as you really started to build this out in in earnest yeah so initially we had thought that our vertical was going to be cancer patients specifically so this space specifically because that is what we had done and in my you know wanting to reach out to more people who had multiple interactions we started to uncover other types of verticals where Maybe it wasn't the exact problem. Maybe it wasn't measuring cancer marker progress, but instead it was measuring something else that had to do with health. So a very good example of this was uh, first-time pregnant women. They just came up as a as a vertical for us, you know, out of the blue. We never thought this would be something that would be applicable for them. It wouldn't be something that would be, you know, uh, interesting or useful. But when 
you know, when this, you know, people from who belong to this vertical approached us, a lot of the, a lot of the conversations were very similar. They were, you know, I have a family doctor and I have an OB and, oh, I also have, you know, a separate specialist who I see for some, some other concern that is sort of related to my pregnancy, but not otherwise. And so I have multiple healthcare professionals Mm -hmm. who are giving me multiple pieces of information, very similar. Like once you start drawing the parallels, Mm -hmm. it's actually very similar to what a cancer patient is facing who, you know, has potentially multiple conditions, but is also going for a routine treatment for a health concern. And so a lot of these, I would say, our clients made us aware of it more than we we're preempting a lot of it. So, you know, a very small amount of what Dot Health is actually is like the brainchild of our team. A lot of it is learning from being in the space and mm-hmm. learning from so many people using it and telling us things that are more or less valuable for them. So when you opened up the, when you went from your fir- your first user to mm-hmm. your first 200 users, yeah. when, did you just basically open up the, the doors and say, what are you looking to track? What are you looking to get a better understanding of? Or how, how did you kind of, how did you start to quantify which segments and verticals you could kind of build around? Yeah. So our first, you know, we went from one to 25 to 200 and then we capped it off mm-hmm. there uh, for a little bit. And that was up until we announced, which was about a year ago. And so really what we went to the first 25 people with was do you have multiple health interactions and do you have concerns around tracking or managing any of that? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the ones that, you know, did come forward to say, yes, this would be useful, uh, were vetted carefully against like, you know, how many times they were going to see a doctor or what types of information they wanted to be able to capture. So if it was something very subjective, Mm -hmm. we knew we couldn't really help them. If it was something like, you know, I need to analyze my doctor's notes over the period of 20 years. Like we know we didn't build the platform for this. What mm-hmm. we're really good at is stuff that you can chart over periods of time okay. and data that we can put in front of you in a way that helps you or your care team better understand and manage your own health. And, you know, subjective data like doctor's notes, we're less good at than mm-hmm. we are at objective types of data like charts, medical imaging, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so early on, we weren't specific with consumers that we were taking on, but we did have certain verticals present themselves to us as very obvious candidates. So cancer, uh, the cancer vertical was a pretty prominent one, uh, largely because our first client was recommending us to multiple other people within, you know, when, when people go for chemo, they're actually just sitting there for two hours with a group of other people who are also going through a similar situation. So there's a very certain kind of referral and bonding that happens within that vertical that we didn't, that frankly, we couldn't have foreseen. Yeah. Uh, the other vertical that presented itself was this like first time pregnant women who were going for different types of tests and more regular interactions like ultrasounds mm-hmm. and were tracking things like fetal growth. Like these are things that we would have never known had we, you know, not... I don't have kids, so I have no idea why or what any of this uh, is or why it's being tracked. But a lot of our clients were really specific about a lot of this and very knowledgeable about a lot of it as well. And the third sort of vertical that I would sort of uh, quantify is that in the category of like 
chronic or comorbidity. So comorbidity is when you have multiple diseases that you're managing or multiple conditions that you're managing. Um, so for example, you could have uh, arthritis, but you could also be a diabetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're managing, you're actively managing two separate conditions. Or maybe you've had an ACL reconstruction surgery, which is, you know, a certain period of time, but you're also trying to separately uh, manage uh, something like routine dialysis. And these are, these are people who, you know, have, it's very normal for them to be going to multiple healthcare providers all the time. So that's sort of like the category that I would define those like, you know, early clients in. Mm-hmm. Almost all of our first 200 clients fell into one of those categories. It's really interesting that referrals and, and just sort of people talking about this with, with other people in similar situations accounted for so much of that uh, early customer base. I mean, that's that's really amazing. But one of the things that, that I have to imagine you were really uh, concerned with was was the, the barriers around working with something, you know, as personal and, and confidential as, as your health record. Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to know how you dealt with that, especially as, as the product really took off. Yeah. So even today, so we, we've spent no money on marketing to date. And on average, each Dot Health client refers six other people to the system. So it's definitely built, like our customer base is built on referrals and it's, you know, built on word of mouth. When, when we look at how it grew from working with very small groups of people and working in a very sensitive area, I think a lot of that is trust building in smaller groups before it gets to larger groups. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people always question why we would cap it off or why we would put a wait list up instead of just letting anyone and everyone sign up and give us money. And I think a large part of that is around trust building. If I can't treat you with, you know, the dignity and respect that you deserve from someone dealing with your personal health information, then I also can't expect you to refer me to other people because I will undoubtedly create a negative experience for you if what I'm accommodating for is purely uh, the number of users that I get in versus the quality of experience that I provide. And, you know, there's the famous adage in the product world around, you know, getting a hundred people to really love you versus a thousand people to kind of like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that definitely stands true for us, you know, from the very beginning client experience around a lot of this has been and always will be a massive value add for what the dot health service provides, because in a lot of ways, All of this information is technically available to you. You could technically take half a day off and go downtown to some hospital on University Avenue and stand in line at the health records office in the basement of UHN and you can fill out a form and you can go home and wait for three weeks for your information to come in the mail for you. That doesn't mean it's a good experience. (laughs) And so a lot of that is understanding what we're looking to provide and trying to stay really true to it while also recognizing the fact that, I mean... This information that people are trusting us with, there really isn't any other information that is, that is any more sensitive than this. If people are, you know, it sounds like people are, if they have the problem, they're very willing to provide this information. Were there any, I guess, then specific challenges in validating a health, health-based technology product uh, that you wouldn't have with other types of products? Uh, I know you've worked in financial services a lot, a few times. So d- does it provide a, a, a un- whole unique category of challenges? 
Oh, totally. I think, I mean, healthcare as an industry on its own is so unique that it just carries so many more nuances with it than any other industry I've worked in. Uh, and I like to joke that like financial data wasn't like hard enough or sensitive enough. So I like picked the other, the other harder uh, challenge. Where do you go from here? Yeah, I know. I know. Right. So the, I think when it, when we, when we look at, when we look at establishing, you know, both trust in us as a company, but also trust for people in this, in this type of ecosystem, there's again, multiple stakeholders. So I think we got lucky in that we stumbled upon our customer from the beginning, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you about all the dead ends that we came up against. So very, very early on, we actually thought we would build the system for doctors. So we thought, well, why don't we build something that allows doctors to look at multiple patients' information and then track it for them and then tell them, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then we tried selling this to doctors. And that was when we realized that doctors are literally the hardest people to sell anything to. Nothing, no traditional sales technique works on doctors. Why is that? Their motivations are so different, especially in Canada. So I can't Mm -hmm. speak for other industries within health, like the United States, for example, which actually I can speak to a little bit because we thought about launching this in the United States briefly before ultimately uh, deciding against it. In the United States, doctors act more like business people. They make business-based decisions. In Canada, because there's really largely only one payer, that payer being OHIP in Ontario, provincially otherwise, doctors don't care. (laughs) Their (laughs) motivations are very different. So one quote, and I will leave the name of the person out of this, that I think is a really good example of how healthcare professionals uh, react to technological solutions is I remember speaking with this one healthcare provider very well regarded in the space and he said, you know, I don't want technology companies coming in and telling me that they can save me money because I don't care about saving money. Now, put that in context with literally any other industry you can think of, anything that you're trying to sell. It doesn't fit. It's completely backwards. And so that's when we started realizing that we were faced with a very different type of person. I think uh, the other thing that we realized sort of in conjunction was that we shouldn't be selling to doctors in the first place because today all the health technology that is built, uh, EMRs, adjudication systems, EMRs are electronic medical records management platforms or uh, electronic health uh, records management systems or health information exchanges by the government, they're all built for physicians. So there's like 80,000 some physicians across Canada. Mm-hmm. There's 36 million people in this country. The market size when it comes to that, given, you know, all the all the solutions that exist, all of the solutions are actually targeting a very tiny portion of the population. Mm-hmm. And the the people that have been completely ignored are the ones that are desperately looking for a solution. So I think that really helped us, you know, move away from that dead end or, you know, uh, stop mm-hmm. trying to sell it to doctors and do the reverse. And I mean, you know, sometime in the future, you know, does this become important for healthcare professionals or healthcare professionals using it in some way or another because their patients are sharing information with them? Absolutely. But I think it matters for the kind of company that we're building, the kind of product that we're building, for us to be very specific about who our customer is. And that will always be the end consumer or the patient.
I mean, it, it sounds very much like this, uh, the, the thing that you were creating was really, really very uh, amply validated on, on the patient side right. and, and very enthusiastically. So, you know, even with, with what you just said, did you, or, or were you looking for a champion for this on the, on the hospital or, or healthcare side? Or did you think the, the patients themselves would, would really just allow this to sort of bubble up in their, in their normal interactions? That's a re- that's a really good question because I think when it is multi-stakeholder management, you do in fact need champions from every angle. So um, you know, for where we've gotten uh, with Dot Health in the span of a year, we count ourselves really lucky. There's a lot of roadkill in health tech uh, in Canada and beyond, uh, and we have had champions every step of the way. So we have, you know, uh, political champions, we have uh, media champions, we have influencer champions, we have physicians who are champions, we have pharmacists who are champions. And frankly, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing without them because they're a very necessary piece in helping us understand the broader ecosystem. Dot Health, in a lot of ways, is disintermediating a lot of healthcare communication. Mm-hmm. But what we're not trying to disintermediate is healthcare. Like we're not going to try and get in the way of a person trying to get care. And what that means is we're always going to be managing the communication between two very different parties. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that successfully, we need champions and important stakeholders in all of those areas. So we've been, you know, it's taken us, uh, it's taken a lot of work for us to find a lot of those champions, uh, but they have been instrumental. Uh, You know, some of them like sit on our board, you know, lots of them who are non-patients also sit on our advisory board. So you have both patients and non-patients on our advisory board. But, you know, we do have representation from a lot of these groups. And I think we need to. So in terms of where the product went from from that first, uh, when you had those first 200 users to yeah. kind of where you are today, mm-hmm. how did you how did you really plan out what your what your roadmap looks like, what your deliverables look like once you've kind of got through that initial validation uh, from your early customers. Yeah, I think um, when we when we first went from you know being fairly under the radar and having just these 200, 200 clients to actually announcing our service and going a bit broader, uh, we started to better understand uh, the types of information that we were getting. It's very different to have two hundred users total to having two hundred users every day mm-hmm. sign up. So like those are two very different ends of the spectrum and it helps you understand, you know, things that we were doing that could scale and things that we were doing that could never scale that we needed to be able to automate in some fashion. In terms of prioritizing a lot of the work that we were doing, uh, we've been very focused on ensuring that our core workflow is fast and that it is uh, valuable as quickly as possible for the people looking to access it. So you know, our core operational uh, workflow is getting some kind of a request from a person to access their data, actually pinging the data sources that have that data, uh, communicating with that data source and bringing back that information to our system to then be exposed to the customer. And that never changes. This core workflow stays as is. And if there's anything disrupting this workflow, that shoots to the top of our prioritization list always. Okay. So we've been very true to that core operational workflow, and then everything else is sort of surrounding it. So features like uh, sharing your information, mm-hmm. 
uh, are secondary to the core workflow. If we can't actually get your data, there's no use trying to build a sharing feature for it. And so, you know, they, they kind of go from there. Who are we, who are we looking to serve first? The patient? Okay. If there's, you know, if there's anything that's getting in the way of the patient getting the information that they need from their own health systems, we need to be focusing on that first. And then I think like any early stage startup, a lot of priorities shift based on some of the consumer behavior that we're seeing mm-hmm. and based on some of the value that we never knew was going to come out of this. So an example on this is young parents realizing that they needed to be able to show their children's immunization records to multiple different places, mm-hmm. including schools and camps. So we started getting these like requests for like children under 18 and their immunization schedule. And we had never, you know, Dot Health, when it was originally built, did not accommodate for handling information for minors. As we sort of looked at what was important for, you know, for a person to manage their records, yes, but also for families to be managing their records, mm. it started to add different layers to yeah. the core operational workflow. So, you know, the core of it never changes, but we're actually adding another layer on top of it that is doubling this work for a single consumer's use. So for a parent's yeah. use, for example. And, you know, family profile sharing was a direct suggestion from a large group of our users uh, that helped us realize that this could that this could be important. And I think that's where the shifting priorities come in. We have a, a multifaceted business. We both have to, you know, uh, attract consumers while also building partnerships with large hospital systems or data sources. And there's a fine balance between that and, uh, you know, completely turning one way and ignoring the consumer. And that's why I think it was really important for us to learn those early lessons and failing at selling to doctors for us to really know who our true customer was. Um, and our, our customers or end, uh, end users have been our North Star in this entire journey. I, I think we could talk about the the space that this product sort of lives in. Uh, honestly, for the rest of the of the show, it's it's yeah. super interesting. But but at the end of the day, you you are building a, a product to answer these these unaddressed needs. And I think you know you already sort of touched on uh, building layers on top of of layers and and discovering these these needs that that you hadn't really conceived of. How how has the product really evolved as you know you sort of move from from that uh v negative two to like you know the 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 actual product that you that you launched with and as you've you know a year on where you're at now yeah i mean it's been through like a million iterations (laughs) since then like all good products do i think i think we've seen it move away from being just being like a pretty a pretty basic viewer if you can call it Mm-hmm. to becoming a true product where people are able to do multiple functions within it. So we actually, because the first, uh, because my my background is more focused within web development personally, uh, rather than mobile development, it actually started as a web app. But now most of our use, over 70% of it is on mobile. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we always knew that would be the case, but 
never really knew how much it would shift to mobile. This is always a surprise. I don't know why it is, but it's <laughs> always a surprise. I worked in like on multiple projects where this has been a surprise to me, so I should just learn now. But um, every every time uh, it catches you catches you off guard, and then noticing you know the different uh, aspects of it that a mobile platform can help with. Uh, versus uh, a web-based platform has brought about a lot of different changes. And then I think like a, you know, sharing and permission, permission-based uh, data viewing is a very, very, very huge part of the platform of .health. And I would have never imagined that at the beginning. I would have thought it would be, you know, like a single use of, of some sort. And it's just evolved into something that is in fact a more useful product than you know, just me or the team had envisioned it to be. And with this, how do you guys keep iterating as you work through this? Do do you get fairly regular, consistent feedback from your customer base on on the product and the product experience? Uh, yeah, <laughs> we get a lot of feedback all the time. So each and every dot health client has my personal cell phone number. Mm-hmm. So that makes it real easy, and they do they use it. It's not like it's there for you know for the gimmick. For show. Yeah. They do use it. So we do hear a lot from them. Uh, we also have very frequent touch points from our end to check in on people who had maybe asked a question or had wanted something to be true, you know, getting back in touch with them and specifically talking to them about a problem or concern mm-hmm. that they've come across. So we do get regular feedback. And then on the other end, we get lots of feedback from our partners. So, you know, organizations that are in some kind of a data sharing agreement with us based on explicit consent from the end user are a large part of this feedback loop for us as well, because they are seeing the effects of it on some of the uh, some of their end end users who are using our platform now to access this data. And so we, I mean, not a day goes by without without one of our partners or one of our users, you know, getting in touch to either say uh, something good, bad, or mostly in between <laughs> uh, about a product. And that definitely shapes the direction of not just the product, but the company. How do you manage? Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of feedback. So it's actually a very constant stream for you. Um, So how do you manage that and and make decisions on what to act on versus what to wait and see if you hear more of versus what, what do you ignore? Yeah, no, totally. And I think a lot of it for designers, product owners, entrepreneurs is filtering through a lot of the feedback and sometimes advice um, unsolicited that you will get. Mm-hmm. And so on our end, the thing that we'll look at is again, going back to, are we serving the primary need for which we have built this platform? So, you know, if there's, if there's anything that sort of interrupts that, that comes first. If there's anything, you know, all sort of all other surrounding features and functionalities go through the exercise of the internal team figuring out how much work it is versus how much value we believe that it can provide. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one thing, one thing that we do, I think really well is we never, we never do like traditional, like focus groups or like questionnaires that have like rhetorical questions in it. We actually just establish a lot of trust with our clients and check back in with them, not about the product specifically, but rather about what they're facing in the real world that the mm-hmm. product can help solve for them. 
And that's the type of qualitative feedback that really helps us narrow down what people are really looking for. So, you know, I have, it's not like, you know, we get product, we, we get product feedback like, you know, I wish you would, you know, I wish you would move this button there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, throughout the, the process of talking to a lot of our clients, we've also trained them in a way to give us, to tell us stories mm-hmm. rather than throw feature suggestions at us. And that's often the kind of feedback that we'll get is, you know, they'll talk about an incident that happened rather than a, a specific product suggestion. And I think the collection of all of those incidents and noticing patterns in that and filtering through that is really the job of the internal team. And that's what we do and we get together for very frequently. So this is something this is something that we're constantly talking about. We're constantly looking at sh- and, and uh, you know, uh, shaping and shifting our road roadmap from, you know, the three weeks to the three months to the six months to the nine months where the nine month is super fuzzy and the three weeks is super solid and everything in between is a gradient. Mm -hmm. It allows us to move some things that we feel will provide more value to more of our users further up on on our product, product roadmap than something that, you know, sounds like a good idea in theory, but actually to implement it would take us a year. And that's not unheard of in healthcare. And I think, you know, that, that's again, referring back to a lot of health tech roadkill. That's, it's difficult. It's difficult to make some of those decisions <laughs> when you can totally envision how amazing it would be, but it would take you a year to get out. That is too long a, um, an iteration cycle for a startup that is as young as we are to be able to bear. And I think that's an automatic vetting system for us. I think you, you, to that point exactly, and you already kind of touched on this in terms of, of your customers bringing you uh, stories about how they want to interact with, with their own health information, but, but how much is your roadmap driven by these sort of gaps that you're discovering versus, you know, a, maybe a more traditional kind of feature level planning? I think as, a, as an organization, we do, have, we do have a broader vision for this. That is, that is specifically targeted towards fixing that, in, that system-wide infrastructure gap. So we've always known that that is what we're moving towards. So if we can zoom out for a bit, what Dot Health is really doing is it's building a bottom-up network. Mm-hmm. So if you look at really any predecessors of this type of solution, they've all built top-down networks. Provinces have tried to get all the hospitals to talk to each other, and then eventually, many decades later, for that to trickle down to the patient. We're doing the opposite. And we've always known that. We've always known that we're building a network effects business that starts from the consumer. And so when we, you know, when we look at a lot of feedback suggestions that we get, they're not, you know, some of them are shaping the way that we think about network effects, effect businesses. And a lot of the team has been, uh, you know, involved with a lot of network effects type businesses in the past. We know that that is where we're headed. And so if a future suggestion completely takes us off, like one thing we get all the time now, ironically enough, given what we talked about a little while ago, a lot of the suggestions that we get now is from healthcare professionals saying that they want to manage their patient's care. <laughs> and I'm like, you've got to be kidding. Well, now it looks fun and cool. <laughs> I, know. I, I want that. I <laughs> and what's, 
what's super neat is having gone down that path, understanding why that was wrong for us, then coming back and realizing what the broader uh, need of the system is and recognizing that our first stab at it was actually completely wrong and exactly what everyone who has failed before us has done. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes we'll get product suggestions like that that completely take us away from the grander vision of all of this. And I think those ones are the ones that we ignore completely. And then I think some of those stories are the ones that make their way into some of the hunches that we already have. And some of the very rare ones, like that family profile sharing ones, are the ones that fundamentally, you know, change our minds when it comes to what will have an, a, a profound impact on a network effects type business. Because if you think about family profile sharing, you're actually getting a two for one deal as a product. Mm-hmm. So for dot, from dot health's perspective, you're getting one person signing up, but they're actually asking for information from multiple people. And so we actually are building a stronger, richer network that way mm-hmm. than we would be by going one by one. And I think as long as we have that that broader vision that we're constantly, constantly communicating internally and externally, you know, that remains that remains the guide or the Sherpa of our roadmap. <laughs> when you uh, when you put that first, well, I guess the second release out to your twenty five person audience, and then mm-hmm. I guess your two hundred person audience, did did you have milestones set for? what success would look like or, or, or what you intended to learn that would allow you to kind of move to the next tier and open it up to more customers? Yeah, a big part of, a big part of it for, for me knowing how many health technology companies had failed to either find a revenue model or engage customers, those were two very obvious ones from the very beginning. So I've worked in a lot of companies that didn't really have a revenue model or didn't really make money. And I refuse to believe that that is the way to do business. So I'm old school in that way. And I think that a business should make money. And so we were profitable month one. We were making money month one. Mm -hmm. And that was a big part of this. Are people willing? Is this a big enough pain point where people who like people hate paying for shit? And so could we get them to pay for something? Because if we could get, you know, 25 and then 200 people to pay for something, we've really hit on something. Mm -hmm. And then the other bit was, you know, maybe they've paid for it because they're in a desperate situation, but are they actually engaging with it? And those two were quite intertwined for us. So engagement was a really large piece. And then, you know, quickly followed, followed up with that, which was a surprise for us, was a referral factor. So how many people who were now engaged and paying were now referring this thing that they were engaged in paying for to other people because they found it useful. So I think that the usefulness was a big piece of it. And it wasn't necessarily like a traditional monthly active users, daily active users. It was more... When you have a health interaction with the healthcare system, are you using dot health to help you better communicate a health condition or a health event? That is what we're more interested in, mm-hmm. uh, rather than are you logging in every single day to you know check your cholesterol level? Well, we're not getting data for you every single day, so that almost doesn't matter. But what we do care is you know. Uh, are you uh, looking, you know, are you getting the value that you signed up for? Are you continuing to be with the system? So we are on a, we're a SaaS product. So people pay us $9 a month. Are you consistently paying $9 a month or are you canceling out of the plan? Because you can cancel at any time. Mm-hmm. And so obviously retention and churn and all of this is, is a large part of it. But early days, honestly, we were looking for like, will people pay for it? 
and will they actually find it useful? And so you, you talked about whether they're whether it's helping them communicate their health better. That's a very that's a very qualitative measure. So how are you going about validating that or, or quanti- quantifying that qualitative? Yeah, and again, we started with like tiny, tiny groups. So we started with with uh, with a sample size of one, mm-hmm. and we were in very close contact, of course, with that with that sample size of one. And then we went to the the twenty five people, and they were all on my speed dial. Like mm-hmm. I would talk to them all the time about any new health interactions. Remember, these are all people who are going to hospitals and specialists and doctors very frequently. Mm-hmm. So my my touch point with them is. Well, what happened when you went this time? What was your concern? Mm-hmm. You know, how long was your appointment with your doctor? Did you feel good coming out of it? Did you ever need to, you know, did you need to bring up something like dot health? Did they ask you certain questions that you didn't know the answers to? Like, mm-hmm. these were all questions that I was like, you know, I want to understand what is in fact useful and a health interaction for people, yeah. and then where our product is actually fitting in. And then the same thing for the 200 people. And, you know, to this day, there's actually like a kind of an, not, not, I mean, it's like 15 questions, but you still have to like go through a certain onboarding and learning for the system to understand who you are as a client before we can start serving you because healthcare is so nuanced. And so learning that very early on was so important for us. And then capturing a lot of that information and making sense of it. So we'll hear, you know, maybe like 50 stories in a day. What are the parallels between all those stories? You know, maybe Mm -hmm. someone who's pregnant for the first time and someone who's going through an ACL reconstruction surgery are actually talking about the same problem. And that's when you start to figure out the commonality across all of these and then how to better build a product surrounding those commonalities rather than designing for the specific. I think it's been really interesting and you've touched on this quite a lot that your your process around like validation and and value of the product has been very very customer driven and I you know I'm really interested to know how collecting that data and that very personal feedback will scale as you continue to grow. How do you think that that process is going to uh, evolve? Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the best things about early stage companies don't scale. So, you know, when I have uh, 200 clients, uh, it's easier for me to get in touch with them and ask them for information than when I have 20,000 clients. And so a lot of what we're focused on is ensuring that as we scale, the, the ways in which we make it easy and frankly, uh, you know, okay for clients to get in touch with us, scale with it. So when we opened up, to uh, when we announced the company, we made sure that we had more tools that solicited feedback from people that weren't, you know, Huda calling them every day, <laughs> that were different than that. Maybe, you know, when they were, when they were onboarding, we had specific call-outs to collect information. Maybe, you know, if we put a questionnaire in front of them, there was always a little feedback tab that let them, you know, enter really anything that was on their mind and just press enter and not worry about, you know, attaching like an identity or a name or anything to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and making a lot of this really friction free for, for people. Um, so we do have to be careful around that and ensuring that we manage it. And there are a lot of companies that do customer interaction, customer feedback really well. And we 
we really look up to to a lot of these uh, companies and startups and organizations to see how we can do that similarly as we scale and we grow. And then finding other, you know, representatives within new stakeholders that we've come across. So, you know, if there are, uh, we've started working with some primary care data, so family doctor data instead of just hospital data, you know, do we have representatives within uh, family or primary care that can help us almost scale some of this feedback. So -hmm. can we find people that are playing the role that I was playing earlier out in the community? And can we get them to tell us how their customers or constituents are feeling and what they're saying? So developing a lot of those relationships and then scaling some of our, some of the ways that we collect and solicit feedback from customers is super important. Was there any was was there a kill switch built into the into the product that you're building in that you'd kind of know we're way off course or this isn't valuable? Like have we have we done have we done stuff that we've later re- regretted and, or, and cut out or was there ever uh, was there ever anything in your mind that would tell you that you're on the wrong path or that this whole this whole product endeavor wasn't going to be successful. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot of a lot of what we've learned is we, you know that health is hard and lots of people have failed at it. We've also studied a lot of failures and done a lot of you know postmortems with with the people who've gone through this. So oh, um, you know one thing one thing that we knew right off the bat is that if we're trying to you know if we're trying to kill two birds with one stone, so to speak, I should have used a better metaphor. <laughs> heal two birds (laughs) (laughs) much better you know if we're trying to use you know one feature that we develop for multiple users Mm -hmm. and the the our primary customer which is the patient just falls at the very bottom of that of that pool of people then we know we've gone We've gone astray, essentially. So, you know, staying true to the customer and then always thinking about the top-down, bottom-up really helps. So this is the way that we describe a lot of what .health is, is a bottom-up network. And if at any moment we are going down a path that, you know, maybe super lucrative, super, you know, has like a huge positive impact in the media or anything else, uh, but that is in fact a top-down approach, one that has either been been tried or is the, you know, de facto way of going about a solution, then that's an automatic one uh, for us where, where, you know, we know we're not serving the, the primary audience in a lot of it. Other than that, I mean, we're really not, we're a really straightforward product. Mm-hmm. Like, we really don't have a ton of like feature bloat. A lot of what we, a lot of the work that we do is in ensuring that the number of places that we can get your data from is always uh, increasing and we're putting in less effort for greater returns yeah. and that we're always delivering really excellent customer value. Uh, in a lot of this. So, you know, in, at the intersection of those two are where most of the things that we work on lie. And if they don't, they're very obvious and they stick out like, like, like a sore thumb. Um, so it's, and maybe I'm saying this now, ask me again in another year <laughs> when we're alive here and maybe I'll say differently, but right now it's so obvious and so easy. And I wish it could stay like this forever. I think you've you've dropped a lot of uh, knowledge on us today in terms of of starting and scaling and discovering where a business needs to go. Are there any parting thoughts about building a product in in the health tech space that that you want to share with us? Yeah, I think health tech is the place to be. 
in a lot of ways. It is an industry that impacts everyone alive. And uh, it is so far behind. And we need not one, not five, not 10, but thousands of uh, companies like Dot Health looking at the gaps within healthcare because it literally impacts every single one of us. And, you know, I think it can be daunting coming in. I think that's why lots of entrepreneurs don't even, don't even try it, but it is doable. And I think the most important part of all of this is that there are so many efficiencies to be made within the healthcare space that it actually creates a really interesting and valuable uh, space for uh, entrepreneurs to come up with solutions that not only impact positively the, the health and lives of so many people, uh, but can also be great businesses that can fundamentally shift the economy that we live in. And specifically in Canada, what I'll say is we have all the ingredients. We've looked at and researched so many markets. And in Canada, we have this perfect intersection of talent, of you know the right level uh, of fragmentation and consolidation, and the uh, demand from consumers to be able to really pioneer this industry that nobody to date has been able to crack. That's awesome. Well, we uh, wish you continued success with the with the product endeavor that you're you're uh, spearheading here. Thank you. Just want to give you a big thank you uh, for joining us today, and a big thanks to all the listeners out there. Um, if you're interested in signing up for yourself, you can at dothealth.ca. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Framework, it helps a lot if you leave a review or rating on iTunes and Spotify, or recommend this podcast to a friend. And if you'd like to hear someone else's product story on Framework or tell your own, we'd love to hear from you. And our contact details are on our website. We'll see you next time.